Welcome to the Arise podcast uh, with Danielle Castillo and Maggie Hemphill, a podcast about faith, race, justice, gender, and the church. Uh, as you can see, we are doing things differently. Danielle and I are, um, I don't know if obeying is the right word, but we are conscious of social distancing and all of the people who are experiencing quarantines and lockdowns. And so we opted to not get together physically to record our podcast, which is strange because we live in the same town, but this is sort of the climate uh, that we're living in. So welcome to the podcast. Yeah, Maggie, it's true. So today our guests are Wendell Moss, a licensed mental health counselor, teaching um, staff at the Allender Center, and he's also on the training and pastoral team there team there and he's a therapist in um, the greater Seattle community and then Dan Taylor who's a teacher and advocate um, a coach and so many things and who lives up north of town in Edmonds and Maggie and I are introducing this conversation because this whole coronavirus conversation was kicked off last week when I went to Seattle and Maggie and I were discussing hey can you get to Seattle can you zoom in last Wednesday to the conversation and actually this was last week when Wendell and Dan I and Maggie were trying to get together it just kind of blew up no one was going to make it into Seattle to meet me I dragged all of the podcast equipment into Seattle and it was very clear suddenly that was a kind of wishful thinking <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it was. So I scrambled, I opened up a Zoom account, uh, sent a Zoom invite out, and that's the recording you guys are going to hear. But Maggie and I just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, how this came about and kind of where we're at. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, the, the conversation we were going to have with uh, Wendell and Dan, um, we just sort of put on the back burner, knowing that what really needed to be addressed was what people are currently experiencing and, and with the coronavirus, and also just what it has brought up onto the surface. And so one of the things that you're going to hear is that there's a lot of underlying internal things that are coming up to the surface with the coronavirus, that this event has sparked something inside of us that has brought up fears and anxiety and, and tra traumatic experiences that we've had individually and collectively. And it's a basically a conversation that's not being talked about in the news or even on social media. Like this is what needs to be talked about right now. And so that's why we decided to have this conversation uh, instead of the one we had originally planned. Yeah, I think that's right. And just because I think we've talked a lot about racism and ways to be informed. And then when the coronavirus hit, you know, you're going to hear Wendell and Dan talk more in depth about that. But here's another chance, even in social distancing, to take action in your own home and your own family and in conversations you're going to have on social media and with friends over text or phone to make sure we are not just staying silent, but actually being anti-racist. Because I think what it exposed is that, you know, Asians are quote unquote the model minority, but as soon as the coronavirus hit, ooh, now what do we think? And even Maggie and I saw on a local Facebook page recently, we, I shared a text with her, look, someone just you know, was totally rude to a Vietnamese woman over the coronavirus. So it's real. It's real. And it's, it's like, I, I shared that with, with my husband and like, this is a restaurant and like a Vietnamese couple that we know. And just to be like, that's happening here. And, and one of the things that Wendell talks about that you're going to listen to is that it, in the West coast and on the, and in the Pacific Northwest, there's this sort of level of, of, surface level tolerance, but mm -hmm. that because of the coronavirus and sort of the fear and panic that's being instilled, we are actually exposing what is already underlying uh, in people's thoughts. And that part is scary. And it's scary. And that's why we're talking about it. Yeah. And I think um, Maggie and I just wanted to hop on here really quick and just talk about how we can be involved in our county. And, and this isn't just, even we're specific in rural Northwest of the United States. This is something that's applicable everywhere in the United States. And, and for that matter, even worldwide, this, this isn't a conversation that's just confined to Maggie and I in our spot of the world or Wendell and Dan who happen to be local too. This is a larger conversation. It's a larger conversation and there are going to be similar uh, organizations and people that you can help in your own communities in the, in the ways that we talk about in the podcast and just getting connected. And like Danielle said, not being silent, uh, not remaining 
content because that is uh, actually adding to the problem rather than providing an opportunity for healing and reconciliation. It's a really good conversation, and I would love to hear back from you. You know, comment on the on the post, send us emails. Like we would love for this conversation to be two ways so that you can participate in what you're experiencing in your community. Yeah, let Maggie and I know if you have thoughts and comments and directions you'd like to hear from us in the future. We're open to brainstorming that with you. And if you need resources in your area, you know, we happen to be at home for a long time right now with our kids. So we might have <laughs> we've got some time on our hands. <laughs> yeah, like let's let's join together. We can't be together in person, but this is a good way to connect us. So enjoy. Okay. Yeah, what what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Well, I mean, I think as I as I um, thought about it earlier, just as you know, we're talking about um, the coronavirus and just, and I know you've thought about talking about just the whole idea of racism, and that's that's just been just the topic of uh, that's really needing to be addressed more and more, and this coronavirus just feels it just feels so connected um, to it. I think as I've seen, I mean, just like I'm on Facebook, just seeing so many jokes. Um, last night on Facebook, I saw a guy talk about, there was this Facebook post that was talking about, um, you know, Chinese bridesmaids are now 50 to 70% off, 75% off. Um, and, and so just feeling this. Uh, this coronavirus is just ex- again just exposing the racism, and 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 actually kind of inviting folks to say what they think. And and even I just read a tweet earlier by uh, by Daniel Hill, and he says, you know, Corona. Uh, he says Corona has made space for a new version of white supremacy to find more daylight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so just this coronavirus, and then just the attacks on Asian folk. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just make it's just making room and exposing so much of what's going on. Yeah, Dan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I think that it's 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 scary because it comes back to the notion that um, a lot of us are not to you know be throwing out cliches and everything but judging books by its cover you know um and just taking narratives that are really false in so many different ways and running with them you know um you know i mean it could be any ethnicity that could be have the most um cases of any disease and all of a sudden we all categorize them as the 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 ethnicity of that we should fear and such you know and i think that that be very very careful of that you know i mean even throughout history um there's been cases i mean um you know whether it was leprosy in the bible mm-hmm. you know or um mm-hmm. the bubonic plague you know you know we can find times in history where there's been um a certain type of um, ethnic group or racial group that has been shunned or alienated because of some type of disease. And many times it's um, expressed by um, the dominant narrative, the dominant culture that's really saying, you know, we should fear this people group because of this disease, you know, forgetting that some of some of the diseases were passed on by dominant group, dominant um, people groups and such, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you have to be very, very careful of that. And, you know, and just, I thought that after the first week or so of hearing of these cases of people being being alienated or stereotyped that we would grow and learn from it. But mm-hmm. I just heard like a day or so where somebody was like um, assaulted, you know, mm-hmm. for being um, Asian and, um, and not even having, you know, coronavirus or even coughing or sneezing and everything and just, being assaulted because they were near somebody, um, near a white person that just didn't want to be around an Asian person. Like that's that's truly saddens me, you know, especially if we are considering the Imago Day, um, every human being, you know, we're dehumanizing so many different people based on 
um, these false narratives. Yeah, I guess what really strikes me when you were saying that is like when Europeans came to the continent, like they decimated the populations, the native populations here. But even though I learned that in the history books, it never came across as like really negative. It was always kind of just like moved past really quickly. And so it's interesting when when another culture brings, uh, or doesn't bring, but when it originates in another ethnicity, how it's demonized. But yet, you know, the history books have not, you know, have not told that same story about the dominant cultures that came here to the States. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I think what feels true, uh, again, uh, I'll just go back to what, you know, I, I think, Dan, as you, even as you were speaking, I, I think I just, uh, when, I, when I began to hear about the assaults on Asian folk and folk being attacked, again, where I immediately went to is, there's just what I'm always reminded is, even, you know, when I lived in Chicago, when I lived in the Midwest, I remember feeling like, okay, you know, Chicago being a very segregated city mm -hmm. and being one of the most dominated, um, uh, uh, one of the most diverse cities, but one of the most segregated cities. And in a sense, you, you, you kind of knew. There were like clear lines. In the mm -hmm. and, and then when I came, when I came to, the, to the Northwest, then it had this feel, I, it, and I, I was coming into a PC culture, and and, and I, you know I saw probably you know you know more interracial couples, and I and I, and I knew that I was kind of in the birthplace of the melting pot, kind of on the West Coast, and 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 I heard this kind of the, the language of tolerance and tolerance even regarding race, and and then after a while, what I came to discover um, was it seems like here on the West Coast, it takes something to happen to mm -hmm. expose mm -hmm. racism. It, it takes something to expose it. Mm -hmm. And and I remember feeling like, you know what, at least in the Northwest, I know what I'm I know what I'm gonna get. Mm -hmm. I, I know. It, it's clear the lines are clear. But here in this culture, there is you know, yeah, you know, just the whole idea of colorblindness and, and things of that nature. And a lot the tolerance thing which with it but then all of a sudden, wait a minute. Oh, it just takes something to come up to expose. So I, when this coronavirus thing came, I, I again found myself going, yep, this again. Are folks listening to uh, again, the underbelly, like the coronavirus, it's just nothing that exposes what is still residing in people. What's residing, you know? I think Dan, I just said, hey, even even dominant culture. So it's like at, at one point, do we finally stop and go? Wait a minute. Mm -hmm. This is not about the coronavirus. Uh, this is about here we go again. Coronavirus has, has pulled back the, the to pull the bandaid off, mm -hmm. and here the scar still is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just to realize that that's coming into our kids' lives, too, because my son, you know, he's 14, he's a freshman in high school, and he was talking about, you know, kids making fun of Asians at school and, like, joking and talking about, like, oh, they have the coronavirus, and I was, we were talking about it, and I was like, oh, wow, this is, like, this is still, this isn't just, like, adults. Like, this is still being passed down. Like, this is still infiltrating into our youngins, into our kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, when we're when you're talking about like the nature of racism, and you know, mm -hmm. you always mention how um, it just it's ever evolving, mm -hmm. you know, and it just manifests itself in different ways. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. you know, I think about like, for example, um, just the tokenism, and like going back to the first podcast I did with you, Daniel, I talked mm -hmm. about like when you're um, investing in people, uh, relationships with people of color, just people indifferent from you, um, you have to seek to have a transformational relationship, not a transactional relationship. Mm -hmm. I think this exposes that people are transactional. For mm -hmm. example, like, like when I shared about like, here's some resources to one person about books of kids of color that you can have for your own kids that are white to read. 
right? They're like, oh, okay, you know, and such. Um, you won't do that, but that, but yet you'll use stuff that is going to entertain you and please you. You'll listen to hip hop. You'll listen to you'll 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 watch a certain thing because it entertains you, but it's not really engaging in the culture that's different from you. And when I think about our, you know, Asian Americans or just Asians in general, you use them for product. You mm-hmm. use them to get their resources. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. use them for entertainment. But now that they're hurting, how can you be transformative in their life? You know, mm-hmm. and now that anybody that has Corona is hurting, like, what are we doing? Even in the body of believers, like in the church, like this is a great opportunity to step up and to bring healing. You know, and I think that the thing that that's not really talked about a lot with regards to coronavirus is the spiritual matter. Like, is God not waking us up from something? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's got to be some spiritual you know, underlying theme or reasoning that God just either saying, like, y'all need to slow down. I'm quarantining everybody because y'all need to pump your brake and you're trying to chase the almighty dollar when you need to spend time with your family. Or you need to reach out to people that are in need, you know, and such. Um, or, or maybe there's, I mean, to say somebody's being disciplined. You know what I mean? Who knows what's going on, you know? But I just think that we really need to be in prayer and seeing what God is going through this. And it could be the possibility God is exposing racism in a different manner. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. first we had Black Lives Matter. I mean, not first, but Black Lives Matter recently. And so many, mm-hmm. you know, we have the borders. And you name whatever it is that's exposing the racism um, that's out there. But here's another thing that's like God is getting the attention of so many people to say, look, I can't get your attention in this manner. I can't get your attention in this manner. Now we're talking about health. We're talking mm-hmm. about like this is you know health in large numbers and such, and it's not just in China. It's in the U.S. It's in Italy. It's everywhere. And so like there's maybe there's some type of spiritual waking that needs to occur. I don't know what it is. I'm not trying to over spiritualize anything, but at the same time, you do have to be in prayer and say, Lord, mm-hmm. staying through all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what do I need to hear today? Yeah. I mean, Dan, I I think I mean. I think you. I think you can go down the list mm-hmm. as far as what God can want to expose. I mean, there's about three or four of those things that you named that that feel like, man, we we need we need to slow down and take a look at a few things. And and I think right before that, when you, I think I you used the word narrative, mm-hmm. and, and 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 I think what I heard you put words to is just the idea that you know, folks want to hold. Folks want to hold their own their own narrative, um, and I and I think I think that is one of the hardest things about you know especially if we're talking about racism, it is so hard to deal with racism without acknowledging the narrative that you hold. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's been exposed so much now is I mean last night when I saw that post I just referred to. I I look I look at a, at uh, you know you can see who liked it who laughed mm-hmm, at it who smiled mm-hmm, at it mm-hmm. and I decided to look down the like list and I re- look and hit like thirty I look down the picture you know, shows the picture I look and I and I, I think what just hit me was that you know I, I it was a, a lot of my white brothers and sisters and again I'm not saying they're the only ones but what I am saying is and back to Dan I think what you put worse is like, man, they, I think the dominant culture often, often tries to hold the narrative for people of color. Mm-hmm. I mean, they almost decide the narrative versus then what you put worse to, like you were trying to invite them to educate themselves. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, and actually in educating yourself, you actually get to learn the narrative mm-hmm. and not assume the narrative that you want to hold to be true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Dan, I, I, I think that education piece and the whole uh, uh, transactional, um, I, I think is so right there because to actually have to let go of a narrative that you're used to hearing about groups of people um, and actually having to educate yourself actually means you got to do some work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to, you not only have to do work um, inside yourself, 
you have to be committed to doing the work in your family with your partner, um, your spouse. You have to be committed mm-hmm. to talking to your children. And when your kids come back and they may they may point out something with you, you actually got to be humble and admit it and and talk through it with them and talk through how you're going to do it differently. I, I think it's really important that, you know, I think also I think what Dan highlighted is that even like different ethnicities, you can see it how they get pitted against one another in a situation like this. Almost like, well, I'm not that. Mm-hmm. I'm not that. Like, I'm Mexican. I'm not Asian. Like, like, oh, oh, so I can other that person, which is under the umbrella of the the larger story of white supremacy. Instead of bonding together, we're forcing ourselves apart. So I think, you know, I think about my family. I think like we have to be responsible for that too. We have to take responsibility for talking to our kids, for talking to ourselves, for saying like, oh, have we made any jokes between Luis and I when it's just us in our home? We have to be responsible for that in private because it's going to come mm-hmm. out in public. Mm-hmm. You got to start at home in your with your own heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, I'm uh, a Korean, you know, I'm black. And so like when I walk out in the community, people see me more they see more of my black features. So like they would, they wouldn't necessarily think that. I mean, when I tell people I have Korean, they'd be like, Lord, you know, they don't see. But when I, uh, when I think about the trauma and the pain that a person that's, um, that looks Asian, you know, and mm-hmm. such, like a lot of them are probably not wanting to go outside. Mm-hmm. They're not wanting to mm-hmm. hang out or be in public spaces because they're afraid of what people would say. You know, I mean, and this is, I mean, this is not just with the coronavirus. This is so many different, you know, um, situations and such. But now you add the coronavirus and the narrative that's out there. A lot of them probably don't want to go places. And I think of the the anxious, you know, um, individual, you know, that's like, I don't even want to be in public spaces as at all. And now the fact that people are stereotyping um, me as somebody that's, got coronavirus or some disease like i wouldn't want to go to the i wouldn't go want to go to the supermarket or anything mm-hmm. you know and such you know i mean i've heard the jokes too like being an educator in school um i've heard that there's been people uh mm-hmm. students that have made some crazy jokes you know such as you know um you know i'm not going to ride in your civic you know um because it might have coronavirus or i'm not going to use that you know sony yeah. device and, yeah. and such like i mean that i mean just Florent, I'm just floored, you know, and, and yes, maybe it's in jest, but at the same time, you don't need to make those jokes. And it just proves that you, there's a level of, um, you know, uh, the, the narrative of the dominant culture, like Daniel Hill would say, you know, the, um, and such that is out there, you know, that white is the highest of the, you know, uh, the narrative of racial hierarchy and then anything else is less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. really opened up the space for it. Like going back to what we said earlier, there's permission now. It's like, oh, and it's it the band aids ripped off and the wound is still festering. Mm-hmm. And, and I and I think and I and and I think back to you know one of the things I talk a lot a lot about is it's almost like uh, this is this is kind of how racial trauma is continually to be led to be lived out. And this is where racial trauma feels so, it, it feels so, so collective. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, this, this corona, this coronavirus, again, is, is not just showing an individual wound. It, it's showing, it's showing a, a collective, a collective wound. Um, and, and the wound is manifesting itself in the different cultures in different ways. And, and, and if we don't stop that to pay attention, to into this wound is to be exposed and, and, and tend to it, you know, education and, and being honest and finally telling the truth, then I mean, it's going to repeat itself again, mm-hmm. if you will, with with, with another play or, and, and then back to what you said, I, that's clearly one thing I believe that God is trying to expose in us, you know, or, you know, I think, I think the church, uh, fail so often to address this issue. Mm-hmm. The, the church is often silent when it when it comes to a lot of the racial jokes, a lot of the racial rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
And one of the things I believe God is clearly after us in like, man, how do we, um, how to, how to love justly, Micah 6, 8. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has shown you, oh, people, what requires of you. And, and at the end, to love justice and to love mercy and walk humbly with your God. So there's this sense of where is God calling us to really honor what does godly justice look like mm-hmm. and seeking godly justice. Um, and, and where the church has been more silent and it would rather um, um, not take the risk and say we're for, if you will, race or reconciliation, we're not being able to address justice. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, I think that also feels like until we can be honest about our history and what we feel in addressing justice, it almost like this will happen again over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, just because that's what trauma does. Mm-hmm. Uh, trauma continues until it's addressed. We continue to reenact it and relive it. You know, um, it's just, this is so wild to me. Like, it's, I don't know, for you guys, it's like a, a movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is, yes. Because yes. when, when you watch those pen, like those epidemic movies, those apocalyptic movies, like you know, epidemic, you yes. know, and this and that, and you know, VAs yeah. not having fans, NCAA canceling. Like I'm just like, yeah. really happening, you know? And so I'm like, you know, Lord, are you coming quickly? I mean, we can say it all we want, but are you coming quickly? You know, we mm-hmm. have wars, mm-hmm. tornadoes, like. This is so wild to me. Uh, but if anything that I'm hearing from the Lord is keep on your knees, keep your hands full, to keep praying, you know, be with your family. You know, there's so much that we're chasing after these mm-hmm. idols, these mm-hmm. these gods with you know, lowercase g and such uh, that are meaningless um, when we need to be chasing after um the god almighty the creator of the universe the one that could smite any virus or mm-hmm. disease that comes about you know and so um i just hope and pray that uh there's healing that's brought to the asian community you know mm-hmm. um reconciliation starts with you know repairing um relationships and you know and you know taking the time to um, lament for the Asian community uh, yeah. that we mm-hmm. that we feel that that we are taken care of in the sense of letting reminding us that it's not about us, you know, um, yeah. it's not about one people mm-hmm. group that's affected. You know? And I'm I'm sorry, I just gotta be blunt and honest. I've walked into so many different restrooms, and I'm just appalled at so many people from all different backgrounds that don't wash their hands. You know, oh, I mean, yes. Yes. Yeah. yes, yes, yes. Oh, oh man. I, yes. I think I'm the biggest germaphobe ever. I'm, I'm like washing my hands once, washing my hands twice, washing them after I take, you know, it out of the, I'm like, uh, uh, so, I mean, you can blame it on whatever ethnic group you want to, but I think every ethnic group, you know, yes. not take care of business, you know, I mean, like all these hand washing videos and everything, I'm like, Shouldn't we have been doing this way beforehand, you know, mm-hmm. and such? So, yeah, yeah it's wild. Well, and, and just feel, and just feeling the, the panic. Like, I was just reading some articles last night just talking about how this panic is, is like, I mean, a, a, at most of these kind of panics, it begins with people hearing other, seeing other people panic, so they kind of follow suit. So, mm-hmm. therefore, toilet paper is kind of the same. Yes. When the coronavirus is. It's not an intestinal issue. I know. So why why the world toilet paper? But the toilet paper because someone that I mean to literally see people panic and grab toilet paper mm-hmm. in panic. That's what people they, they're going to follow suit just because again that's that's kind of what trauma does. And 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 then just even you put words to like like. When I see people leave the restroom and not wash their hands, mm-hmm. again, it's alarming. And, and so to see some of these people emphasize, been doing this whole time. <laughs> like, 
Are you just washing your hands for the first time? <laughs> and this never makes it so bad. What's really true is the stores are out of toilet paper. But you know what they still stock still? There's still plenty of Kleenex. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't they're not they're not having a shortage of Kleenex. Yeah. I, I, I'm, huh? Yeah, there's a disconnect. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, and milk and bread, like for the first time in our lives, we have keto bread at home. Not by choice. There was just nothing else left. And Luis was like, Oh, I brought home keto bread. And I'm like, Well, that's what it is. Like, that's what it is. And yeah, it just feels like a pandemonium of anxiety, like a flood of anxiety on the culture. Or maybe that the culture was just like, it was like a release of anxiety and it got focused in this. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and again, I really want to honor, I, I do, I really want to honor, you know, the threat of mm-hmm. the coronavirus and that we ought to be cautious in there. I mean, and, and again, you know, a lot of the, you know, folks, a lot of the organizations that I'm affiliated with are taking high precautions mm-hmm. to the coronavirus. And again, I respect that and I honor that. And, and to be honest, I'm actually also feeling it too. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm feeling it. It's it's impacting my world. It's impacting what I do quite a bit. Um, so uh, and so to I mean last couple last 24 hours. Uh, I mean I've had to kind of face I mean a, a lot of cancellations and all things being altered and and, and so it's it's even feeling disturbing on that front. Mm-hmm. And and that's on top of of, of this whole idea of when we talk about racism is showing up, um, and in the midst of dealing with the panic and the, the, so this is feeling disturbing, like for me in so many areas. And Dan, I, I, again, I this morning and it's, you know I and that's I'm just you're just doing a lot of praying, just asking God for a lot of protection. And while at the same time, you know, it is making you think about, you know, what counts, mm-hmm. you know, family. Um, because, uh, again, any kind of loss of life makes you think about, you know, you know, our mortality. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, <clears throat> yeah. What if, what if a close family member gets a back to that? Yeah. I, um, you know, I know that uh, a lot of people are freaked out about, like, people not attending certain events or this concert being canceled. This, that, like, I just think about church. Mm-hmm. Like, how, yeah. how many church, like, Governor Inslee Governor just said, you know, he put out the order that anything over 250 should not be, mm-hmm. in, you know, happening and such. And, like, lots of churches are over 250, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. Schools are being impacted. Sporting events like high school sports. I mean, I think of you know the high school senior that wants to have their soccer season, you know, and now yeah. they're saying that they can have their stuff, but no fans come. Mm-hmm. You know, like like that's just I'm just awkward, you know, in itself. Um, I, I'm going to a wedding this weekend, right? And so they're talking about the elderly are not going to come. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh. And oh. So, like there's so many stipulations. So like there's this impacts so many different arenas in our life, and you know, I just, you know, going back to what Wendell says, yes, we want to lament for the family that's um, hurting because somebody is impacted, you know, whether they passed away or they're, you know, deathly ill with the virus. Um, and then you add on to that all these different things that are affected because of um, cancellations or stipulations on what you can do and what you can't do. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's getting real. And, um, you know, our school starting today, um, send our kids home and then tomorrow we're doing online learning. So we're doing, um, you know, uh, we're teaching online. So the kids check in and they, they, they log into, you know, our platform and we're doing our lessons mm-hmm. and our assignments and everything, um, having our daily classes and such. And so, and on, the, on top of that is the equity piece. What I mean by the equity piece, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm at a, um, a private school, but yet a, a lot of our families don't have the, um, some of the resources. I mean, you can assume that they do, but not everybody. And I think of the public schools as well. Like, 
Mm-hmm. Not everybody has Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has Wi-Fi or high speed, and the teacher wants to show up yeah. and such. Um, wow. Let's say you have four or five kids in a family, and you want kids to do things online. Not everybody's going to be online. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You got to share their computer and such. Um, two-parent homes where you have now you have to figure out babysitting, mm-hmm. and you're trying to pay for your private school. You're trying to pay for you know lunch or you whatever it may be. You know, there's so many different layers to this i've heard of some districts that are completely canceling school altogether you know and they're not even doing online school but then you have those families that are impacted because some of those kids are depending on being reduced lunches you know and such. Mm-hmm. Um, or just the, the the social atmosphere you know there's kids that just want to be around their friends and be around their favorite teachers and be mm-hmm. around um the the activities the sports the band you know um the clubs that they're involved with you know um there's so many different things that uh, this virus impacts, um, but at the same time, I'm I'm just trying to find uh, peace in a storm uh, and rest in the Lord because He is sovereign and He knows exactly um, what's gonna happen through all of this. Um, we just have to put complete trust in Him, despite all the adversity that comes about with all of it. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, like our kids' school, it's public school, and I think it's uh, like 41 or 42% of the kids are on free and reduced lunches. So you got a little less than half, right? And and then now when they stay home, you know, what are they going to eat? And so I, I think all those things we list can feel really overwhelming, but I think if we can just do the thing that's close to us, like maybe we have a neighbor kid, like we can feed or we have a friend in town that's like 80 and she texted us yesterday and said, I don't want to leave my house. Can you take out my trash? And so stopped by, rolled her trash up and then stopped by in the evening and rolled it back. So, I mean, like it's, I think, you know, we have this like global thing and then we're praying. And then I think like, how can you practically apply some of that love? Maybe you buy Chinese takeout. I mean, really? Or maybe you go get some Asian food and buy it. I know that's one thing um, we're going to do this week is we're going to buy Chinese takeout because I've seen some tweets and some different things online that some of these Asian businesses are really taking a hit. People don't want to eat there. And so we have a Chinese takeout place in town and Luis and I are going to get that for dinner this week. So, I mean, it's like you can't do everything, but you can do something little. Yeah, yeah. And I love your I love your point, Danielle. I think this side that how can we be conscious of 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 caring for for caring for folks really, really well, mm-hmm. like and not minimizing people's people's pain that they're experiencing, you know, because of this. Mm-hmm. I, I love this kind of you know, you guys are choosing to do, you know, go and get Chinese takeout, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 honestly, Dan, when I think about the you as a teacher mm-hmm. are in. I mean, I met with somebody the other day who was uh, who was just, just livid, and there was a parent, and the parent was just, you know, talking about, you know, how you know three different three different uh, kids in three different schools, mm-hmm. and so you know he's kind of missing nine, you know, he got email from nine teachers, um, and just feeling. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I don't have the ability to cover all this as a parent, mm-hmm. and yet, and yet, you as a teacher, it's not like you had a you have a choice to to do that. So I think I'm just even aware of the of of the position that faculty are, are, are putting in mm-hmm. um, due to this decision, because I know I I would assume Dan that faculty kind of take the hit for mm-hmm. the decisions as well. Um, would that be fair? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of anxiety amongst us, especially Mm -hmm. trying to do this online learning because now, um, we have to go live and, you know, and, and, and I'm a social person in itself. And just fact that for the next, cause we, we don't, we're not going to be coming back until after spring break. Mm -hmm. The fact that for three, four weeks, I'm not going to see my kids, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to be able to build relationships not be able to answer questions on the fly, not be able to yeah. fist bump them or high five them or whatever, you know, um, be there for them, you know, um, not being able for them to see their own friends mm-hmm. and to socialize. Like that's like, this is, 
not ideal in so many different ways, you know. And then I hear about at the college level, there's some colleges canceling classes, moving to online. There's some colleges that are telling their kids, if you go to these certain areas, don't come back to college. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, don't come back to our school and such. Um, you know, uh, like, yeah, like I have a, a colleague that I'm working with. His daughter's planning to come visit um, this, you know, for her spring break. And their, their college has put out a message, like, if you go to Seattle or if you go to certain areas, like, don't come back to our university. Wow. wow I didn't yeah. know that. So, yeah. So that's pretty intense, you know, in so many different ways. And, and, you know, and it's like, do you choose your family or do you choose your education, mm-hmm. you know, and such. And so, like, that, would, I would be hard-pressed. I mean, and it's a spring break, you know. Like, some classes are, like, spring break is in the middle of their semester, and some, that's the, the it, it's between quarters and such. And so, like, you have to make some hard decisions um, with regards to that. And I think that's really challenging in so many different ways. Yeah. And it feels like, and at, at Dan, you said something else that made it seem like we're going to have to be creative because, like with this coronavirus, there's the assumption that everybody has the resources, yep. mm-hmm. that everybody has Wi-Fi, that everybody has a tablet or something that where they can watch video, mm-hmm. and and or there are people being creative as for you know um, you know helping people get connected to other folks who may have mm-hmm. the resources. Like I, I don't know if that's being I don't know if that's being talked about, but I, I think you bring a very good point that. You know, a lot of folks in power could make these calls. Not saying that the call is good. I, I the cost of precaution is good, but are they sensitive to exactly what you said? Are they sensitive to the folks who who they would assume has the resources? Mm-hmm. And 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 now we're talking about. And now we're talking about. Uh, you know, you know, social economics. Mm-hmm. You know, social economic status. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of students. A lot. I mean. Especially, you know, you have a lot of students. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of students of color. They assume that everybody's on the same playing field, and so they have that. Um, and there's no creative strategies to kind of help bridge some of the some of the gaps that may be present. And, um, and one of the other um, communities uh, that we have taken consideration to be sensitive about is. The home is sure. School is home. I mean, yeah. it's, it's estimated that there's about 1,500 homeless kids in Seattle, the Seattle public schools. There might be even more, but that's the latest stat that I've heard. And that's alarming. There's 1,500 students that are not going to have mm-hmm. lunch, that are not going to be able to, you know, have drinking water, you know, clean drinking water. Um, I know that there's some schools that allow their kids to take showers in the locker rooms and everything like that. Like, they're not going to have any of that, you know, if the schools are shut down and such. So, um, you know, and I don't know if it's a call for the churches to step up. I don't know if it's a call for even the schools to consider something different, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. or to um, allow for a uh, to have maybe one classroom as a food center or something. I don't know what, what that looks like. But I think that um, we do have to be creative and we have to brainstorm on ways to um, bring restoration, you know, mm-hmm. uh, wherever it may need to, where, wherever we need to make it happen. I agree mm-hmm. because the beds we already have, like in the Seattle area and in Kitsap, they don't hold what we currently, you know, mm-hmm. like, so people might stay on the street, but, you know, when I get to school, I'm going to have a shower, I'm going to have a meal and, and they're not utilizing the shelters the shelters are already full. Like I know I work in South Seattle. We call, 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 call. And it's like, no, 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 no. Or you hop on, you get someone and literally you drive your client there so they can get in at that moment. So, mm-hmm. um, how are the shelters going to deal with this if we don't help yeah. out? You know, it's a good point. It's, it's, it's how can we do, how can we chip in? Maybe you're bringing a meal to the shelter. I don't know, but you have to think of what's the little thing I can do to contribute. I think. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the idea, Daniel. Like, how how do we how do we think? Um, I think I think many of us. I I think when it comes to this uh, dealing with poverty, dealing with homelessness, and and I think race, uh, even in racism, like we just often that feel like what what could I buy myself to? Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's overwhelming. So 
I myself can't possibly do enough. Mm-mm. And I and I think was really been said. I think between all three of us, like don't underestimate what you can do. Mm-hmm. Do not underestimate what one person can do. Mm-hmm. Um, to to care for one to care for one person and be aware of of one person. Uh, that's big. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I just. Like people watch people panic. I believe people also watch people do good and inspired by watching other folks mm-hmm. serve well. Mm-hmm. That feels like the economy of God. Like mm-hmm. that feels. I, I think right back to I think something that that I think you kind of hit that um, Dan is like, man. I hope that I hope that King Young um, serves. Well, I hope that King John is a really good witness um, uh, during during these days. I, I hope I hope we really model well, mm-hmm. um, whether you're a teacher or, or whatever position you're in. But this is a good opportunity mm-hmm. for for the kingdom. I really believe that. Wow, that sums it up. Yeah. It's like a call yeah. to action right there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It's like an altar call. Yeah. Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like, don't get, don't, don't, now give me preaching. Cause I know Dan, I know Jan, I know Dan and you would join me. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Dan, do you have any thoughts to, wrap us up i um it goes back to what i was saying earlier like we have to be in prayer you know we do we do yeah we i think we're forgetting some of the fundamentals you know when i think about you know to get back to the sports analogies like when your team is not bringing it when you're turning the ball over when you're you know you're not executing Sometimes it goes back to the fundamentals. It goes back to the basics. And mm-hmm. for me, that's prayer, getting in the word, communion um, mm-hmm. with God and being in communion with the body of believers. You know, mm-hmm. you know, we're, again, like whether it's uh, buying into capitalism or buying into um, the narrative of the dominant culture, whatever it may be, I think we have to go back to the basics back to what the Lord has required of us, back to the gospel, and go from there. You know, whether the gospel challenges us to uh, be active, you know, um, in preaching the word or active in healing, active in restoration, active in reconciliation, active in um, finding resources, whatever it may be, I think, um, and I'm saying this from my own heart, Mm -hmm. like, there's times where I'm just in my daily grind and I completely forget that God's called me to preach the gospel at every single minute. And the gospel also uh, requires for action to take stands for what's right, to um, love on people that need to be loved, to help the, the marginalized, help the those that are dehumanized each and every day. Um, yep. And so... If we can get back to the basics, um, we're going to get closer and closer and, and forget about the, the mundane things that we um, uplift and um, worship um, when we should truly worship the, the true and living God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like if you missed the first altar call from Wendell, you got your second chance. <laughs> <laughs> It's a second chance. Yeah. Now what I think even that concept, like this, like going back to what you said, Dan, at the very beginning, you know, we have, we've had the Black Lives Matter um, and, and the legacy that led up to that movement. That wasn't the first thing. But in like recent history, you got Black Lives Matter, you got the border, um, border crisis. And now we have this and, and, I, and it's, it's time for people to do something. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, prayer is great. And I love what you said, but there's also the action piece of the gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 
Mm-hmm. And it doesn't it's have to be yeah. giving $1,000 to the school. It can be you take out your neighbor's trash. You could text your neighbor and say, hey, do you need anything? They might say no, but you've reached out. There's a, In isolation, you can form some connections with people. So I think I think people get overwhelmed with the action, but I, I love that it, prayer with action doesn't mean we have to solve the big problem. We just We have to be there for our neighbor or a friend or person <laughs> in our proximity. Well, and even to you, what you, you just said, Daniel. Like I even hope when fo- when folks when folks hear jokes, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you, you, I, I, I ain't saying you gotta swing. Don't, don't be wise, mm-hmm. but in all possible, don't let it slide. No, I mean even just a little statement. Um, just this is excuse me. Um, that uh, what what is make, what is make, what is making you say that? Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, it's just not, it's just not helpful, helpful and it's not fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and you're, and you're, you're playing out racism. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what you want to do? So I, I hope folks will be finding creative and helpful ways to, 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 to speak up. Mm-hmm. As the church has to speak up. Amen. Man, thank you for joining me. <laughs> We should do this again. We do this more often. It's an honor. It's an honor, yeah. 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 I just, um, I think it's good. Like, maybe we can get back together if this thing, you know, I sometimes I I think it's going to blow over. And other times I have, like, a sense of fear inside that maybe it won't just blow over. Um, Mm. But either way, um, I think it's important to keep talking about these things online, like, and in our families, obviously, and with our people, because I know people are listening and it does help to have others speaking into their lives. So, Well, thanks for listening to our conversation today and uh, hope that you have learned something and our our move to action ultimately this was a a call for action i don't know about you but when i heard this i got saved twice i went forward for both (laughs) altar calls so uh connect with us connect with dan and wendell um danielle tell us how we can people can get in touch yeah dan is a teacher in um, edmonds washington but he also provided us with his email and so that will be in the notes and then Wendell Moss is a licensed mental health counselor. He's on the teaching staff. He's on the training and pastoral team with the Allender Center. He's a minister, educator, and speaker. So we're going to have his connection up on the website as well, his email and the link to his bio at the Allender Center. Thank you so much. Peace out. Peace out. Peace out.